we're grateful for all that God is doing, and um, we're in a new month, and uh, I'll be teaching um, some things that will be uh, going along with our our new changes that will be coming up mostly mostly in April. So tonight I wanted to to do something that's a little bit practical and to teach about discipleship, being a disciple. Amen. In Acts 14:22 speaks about confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Did did you did you hear what it said? Through through much tribulation. We're in a fight, right? It's not it's not a a cakewalk. It is a fight. Amen. It's through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. We, we are on enemy territory. We're in a war. And the enemy loves to take away our peace and, and put us under pressure and take away our joy. You know, I'm, I'm smiling right now because as I'm saying this to you, I'm thinking about all the things that have been, that I'm dealing with right now. And I'm preaching to myself. Amen. Because uh, the, 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 the stuff was a little bit heavy that I'm dealing with uh, over the last few days. Everything kind of come at once. But you know what? I refuse to let him take my joy. Amen. I refuse to let him take away my peace. Amen. So what does it really mean being a disciple? What does it mean? Of course, we think about being a follower of Jesus, right? When we say disciple, it's a follower of Jesus. Well, in the definition, it, it says a personal follower of Jesus during his life, especially one of the 12 apostles. But of course, you don't have to be just a follower when he was alive. We can be disciples today. But in essence, of it, a disciple means someone who follows Christ. So what does it mean to follow Christ? And then it also means one who embraces his teachings. That means not only... Do you follow him and acknowledge him, but you adopt his teachings? A disciple follows a master, right? You learn what the master teaches and you, you believe and you support what the master teaches. That is what a disciple is, a follower of Jesus and one who embraces the teachings of Jesus. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. We wonder why the disciples were able to achieve so much and have all these miracles. It's because they were sold out. They left everything for Jesus. Not, I, mean, I wouldn't say none of us, but very few of us would do that. Someone come by and say, follow me. And you just leave everything and follow them. That takes some faith. That takes some strong belief that what you're doing is the right thing. For why else would you do that, right? Someone comes by your job and says, leave all you're doing and follow me. The only way you're going to do that is if for some reason you have a belief, something deep in here that says this is true. I can give up everything for this. And he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway, that means without hesitation, They weren't going, well, you know, I'm not sure about this. I need to think on this a day. (laughs) I need to get back, get get back with you. Come back next week. You know, we'll talk then. No, it says they straightway left there. What great faith. 
We want what the disciples could do. We want their power. We want all the miracles. But do we have this kind of faith where we trust Jesus so much when he says, leave what you're doing and come follow me? I know I'm talking about this a lot because it's key to being a disciple. It means following the master. It means totally trusting the master. It means believing in Jesus. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother. You know the scripture that says many are called, but few are chosen. See, the Bible tells us about all the people that responded. But who to tell if Jesus hadn't called some other people and they said exactly what I said. Hey, uh, pastor, come back next week. I just have a few little things I got to do. When I was a teenager, I didn't want Jesus to come back. There was a few little things I wanted to achieve, right? There was some ambition. There were some goals that I wanted that I put ahead of Jesus. We want what the disciples could do. We want their power. We want miracles. But then you have to ask yourself, how much are you following Jesus? How much are you prepared to give up? And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Again, they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Scripture says many are called, but few are chosen. I think what it comes down to is when you are called, what do you do? Who wants to be a disciple? No hands? Come on, Brother Joe. Who wants to be a disciple? You're counting the cost now, are you? You're thinking about how expensive it's going to be. Because imagine if Jesus calls you tonight and says in a dream, okay, this is what I want you to do. What you're going to do, hmm? These people, it said straightway. And I'm, I'm emphasizing it because I want us to think about that. This is a true disciple. Someone who is a true follower is not going to hesitate. They're going to obey. Now, I don't believe Jesus is going to call you unless he's going to equip you to do the task. Not everyone he called left everything and came. Some stayed in their position and supported him uh, remotely. Not everyone was there to be an evangelist, but he's called every one of us for some purpose. And are we doing it right away? Are we hesitating? Are we saying, well, I got to do this. Jesus told the story of one of, of the people who were invited to the wedding. And they said, yes, we can come. But first, I just bought some land. I got to go check it out. Or, or, or I'm getting married and, you know, that's going to interrupt my plans. And so all of them had excuses why they could not obey right away. But in each of these two cases with these disciples, these first four disciples, verse 22, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Jesus said, if you're not prepared to give up family, you're not going to make it as my disciple. Because sometimes family is going to hold you back. Sometimes family is going to divert you. If you're not prepared to love him the most, to put him first, 
then you cannot be worthy of his disciple because he was prepared to die for us. He did not hesitate. He went to the garden and said, if it was possible. But then he also said what? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That's the greatest words anyone can say if they can say it and mean it. Nevertheless, not what I want, but your will be done. So a disciple is someone who is a follower and who is a follower, not just for following sake. Why do you think a disciple follows? To learn. She didn't know what I was going to teach. I never tell her. She didn't know at all. A disciple follows so that you can learn what the master is doing, so you can be like the master, right? That's what you follow for. You follow so that you can, in the end, also learn and teach other people. Matthew 10, 24, the disciple is not above the master. What did he mean by that? He means whatever is going to happen to the master, Just you, you don't think you're going to get away with less than that. If you want to be like the master, you're going to have to truly be like the master. That includes whatever the master went through. You're not above the master. You're not going to have a pass on certain things because you're not the master. Nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, How much more shall they call them of his household? What he was saying, if they call me a devil and bastard and they hurl all kinds of insults at me, don't be surprised if they do it to you. Right? If you're my follower, they're going to throw weapons at you too. Don't be shocked if you, you say you're a follower of Christ and you try and live Christian principles that that upsets some people. That gets in some people's way. That's not what, how they want to live. That's not what they want to do. It makes them feel bad because you're bringing on guilt because you're not doing all the mess they're doing. So they're going to get upset. They're going to call you names. Jesus said, listen, if they call the master of the house Beelzebub, in other words, a devil or a demon, how much more shall they call them of his household? Jesus is telling us something about discipleship. First of all, that when he calls, you probably got one shot. You either follow or you stay. Make up your mind. But when you start to follow, you're following so that you can learn. And that when you do follow, you understand that you're going to get opposition. You're going to get some pushback. You're going to get people in your face. Amen? It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master. But you're not going to get away with less than what Jesus went through. But here's the thing. He said... Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So you can too. He has led the way. He has put the steps, the footsteps through the minefield. All you have to do is follow him. Don't go off the path. If you go off the path, you'll hit a mine. But he has led the way. In the Old Testament, when they were crossing over to Jordan, God gave them instructions saying, let the Ark of the Covenant and the priests go first. And you guys follow. You stay about 2,000 Uh, cubits behind. And wherever they go, you go. You just follow them. And so the Ark of the Covenant led them into the promised land. They followed. God was setting up a principle of how we're to follow him. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. 
you can't get anything from a church unless you have some confidence in the leadership, right? Uh, if you're coming to a church and you don't believe nothing the pastor says, I don't know why you would come. Or if you don't respect what the pastor is saying, there is no point in coming. You need to find a church where you can get really plugged in, where you have confidence in the leadership. Now, in every church, not everyone is going to be your bosom buddy, right? Because we're all different. We all got different personalities. But we should have confidence in what we're being fed. We should believe in what we're being given, right? It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and servant as his Lord. So the part of being a disciple is not just to be a follower, but is that you learn. That you learn. Who taught you to be a parent? Who, whose parents here? Lift up your hand. Who taught you to be a parent? Did you go to school for it? Did they give you a degree? It's funny, you know, for something that important... They don't offer like degrees in parenthood. They offer degrees in um, teaching and this and that. But there's not many masters in being a great parent. You don't see that offered. And so you know what? how you learn it? You learn it from unconsciously from whoever raised you. And this is why there are things called generational curse. Because if you weren't raised too good, you're going to do the same things. You find yourself saying exactly what you said you'd never say. Because your parents said it. And you find yourself saying the same thing to your kids. I always laugh now that I have grandchildren. And when my, my sons have to correct their children, I always kind of be smiling. Because <laughs> what they accused me of, I see them doing it. You never explained anything. You just say, do it this way because I said so. You know, I told you they gave me a... Uh, a t-shirt for my 53rd birthday and it said because I said so <laughs> so now now the tables are turned I watch them and I go mm, okay you 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 said so <laughs> you see we learn some of the most important things from watching other people right we learn and that's why kids pick up all kinds of stuff they learn to swear. And you say, where did they hear that from? Maybe school. But they pick up and they learn and they absorb stuff. So we become a disciple so that we can watch and follow the master. The more closely you learn to follow the master, the more you're going to be like him. The more you're going to do like he does. Right? We see this in the Old Testament manifested in the transfer from Elijah to Elisha. Once he was called, he would not let that guy get out of his sight. Elijah got sick of it. He said, look, can you stop following me? Just stay here. I'm going over here. He said, no way. No way. I'm not going to let you out of my sight because I've got a promise. I've got a promise that if I see you when you get taken away, I'm going to have everything you have and double. <laughs> and Elisha was so... Um, firm on that, that Elijah couldn't shake him. He says, I'm going over here. And there he was like a puppy dog. He says, I'm going over here. Here comes Elisha following him. You know what? He knew the principle of being a disciple. You follow the master. You watch the master. And he watched him until the promise got fulfilled. Then what did he do? 
He t- tried to be like the master. He went up to the river and he says, he says, listen, if, if I've got the, the power that Elijah had, let's see. He hit the water with the mantle just like Elijah did. And guess what happened? It parted because he had received the double portion. Why? Because he understood the principle of being a disciple and how to learn. You follow the master. So now, how did Jesus go about making disciples? Because he's called us to do the same thing. How do we go about making disciples? John seventeen eleven. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. This is his, one of his last prayers for his disciples. He says, Holy Father, keep them, keep them. Sorry, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture may be fulfilled. Now I've highlighted some words there. While I was with them. How did Jesus make disciples? He was with them. He was with them. It's extremely time consuming, but if we're going to make disciples, we've got to be with the person. We've got to be calling them up. We've got to be praying for them. It's a, it's a sacrifice. It takes up all your time. It does. But this is how Jesus kept disciples. He was with them. While I was with them, I could encourage them. I could correct them. I could say, watch what I'm doing. And he taught them a few things. One time the disciples wanted to call down fire. Why don't we call down fire? Just like Elijah did. Jesus looked at them and says, you don't understand what spirit you're supposed to be of. I didn't come to destroy men's life. I came to save. And that lesson taught them. You know why? A few couple weeks after that, after Pentecost, they went back to the same Samaritan town and the Holy Ghost fell. Imagine if they destroyed all those people. There wouldn't have been anyone saved. While I was with them, Jesus made disciples by being with them. He was present. If we're going to make disciples, we have to, to be present with people. We can't actually avoid people. We'd like to, at least I would like to avoid people. <laughs> I want to say something, but this is streaming, isn't it? <laughs> so, the other night, I guess it was gone midnight, phone started ringing. When it rings like that, the, the, the one that we use for the church, my wife and I always look at each other. <laughs> like, are you going to answer that? Anyway, I outstared her and she answered it. And I could tell from the get-go that there was someone on the other end that was not totally uh, coherent. Um, you know, but anyway, we, we listened and we, we, had, we, we had this person we had dealt with before. I, we had, he had called one time and in the middle of the night and I had got out and gone and done what he wanted and he was doing it again. <laughs> I said, no, I'm sorry. I'll pray for you. <laughs> I'll pray for you. But I'm not coming out there right now. Okay? I'll pray for you. But Jesus went the, the, the extra mile. He, he was with his disciples. And the Bible says he kept them. Disciple making is about relationship building. One of our first things that we're called to do is to make disciples. Right? 
If a thing is alive, it's supposed to reproduce, right? That's one of the tests of something that's alive is that it can reproduce. And if we were to ask ourselves, who have we reproduced spiritually in the last 10 years? Who have we witnessed to? Now, that doesn't mean everyone you talk to is going to become a believer, but it's upon us to be disciples, to go out into the byways and make disciples. So discipleship is about relationship building. So we start off with following and learning, but then we have to turn it into practicing what we've learned. It doesn't matter how how much you've learned if you never actually try it yourself. This is what Elisha did. He had seen Elijah come up to the to the uh, river Jordan and take his, his cape off and go, push, and the water's parted. And he said, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that too. Because he promised me that if I saw him when he was taken up by God. So he says, where is the God of Elijah? And he took the mantle and he hit the water. He put into practice what he had seen the master do. Have you noticed that children will copy you? They'll see what we do in church and they'll go home and they'll, they'll do their own little service. And they start preaching and, and, and doing the whole thing. I was so touched Sunday because one little girl there prayed for me. I was, I, that really touched me. She, I asked her to pray for me. She laid hands and she, she prayed for me. It was awesome. And you know what? I have faith in her prayer. Because she's a little child. She prayed. Some of us older folk, we don't have faith. We'll do it, but we're not really believing it. Amen. So the next step in following and learning is you put it into practice. I'm going to try that. I saw Jesus do it. And so what did he do after they were with him a while? He sent them out two by two to go practice what he had preached. Amen. So a a disciple learns by hearing his master And doing like his master. And this is found in John 13. You call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so. For that is what I am. Now that I your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. That's why we do it. We haven't done it in a while. But that's why we do it. Because we are following the master. It was a sign of humility. It was a sign of servanthood. You couldn't get any lower than washing someone else's feet, right? You couldn't, in those days, they never wore shoes like this. They would walk on these dirty, dusty roads and their feet would get all soiled and messed up. And when you came into a guest house, the first thing they would do is have a bowl of water so you could wash your feet. Jesus stepped down and washed all his disciples' feet and he said, listen, I'm doing this so you learn something. You call me Lord and teacher, And I have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. It's an example of humility. It's an example of submission. If you want to be humble, the way to be humble is to serve somebody else. That's why I don't like being served too much because it's too easy to get big-headed when people tell you good things. You start to believe your own propaganda, right? Oh, you're great this and you're great that. Ooh, that feels so good. Now, come on, don't tell me when somebody starts to praise you up and tell you how beautiful you look or, or, or how well you cook. or, or that's, it, it feels good. That's our flesh. We love it. We love eating up that stuff. But we all have to be careful so that we also see that Jesus humbled himself. The Bible said he made himself of no reputation to the fact that he would wash 
his disciples' feet. So first we start to follow, then we learn, then we put it into practice. Here is the, the scripture, 2 Kings 2, 1. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elijah from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, stay here. Stop following me. <laughs> and said unto Elijah, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. I got somewhere else to go. Why don't you just stay here? Elisha said unto him, as the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. We see this exactly repeated in the New Testament. When they sent word to Jesus to tell him that Lazarus was on his deathbed, Jesus had been staying away from Judah because they were trying to arrest him. And the other disciples, when they heard it, said, well, if he's going to go, we might as well go, all go and get crucified with him. They, they decided they were going to go and they were not going to leave him, even though they thought he may get arrested, which was what happened. I will not leave thee. That should be a true disciple's cry. I will never leave thee. Jesus tells us he will never leave us nor forsake us. And in return, we, we should cling to him as tightly as we can. Because just as Elisha, if we see him, we're going to be like him. That's the promise. We'll be able to be just like him. So Elisha tells him, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not staying here. I'm going to, I'm going to watch you like a hawk because I want to see the day when you go because I'm going to be just like you. So they went down to Bethel. And it came to pass when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let me have a double portion of thy spirit to be upon me. And he said, Elijah then said, You've asked a very hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall be not so. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and he went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and he smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also smitten the waters, they parted. He had actually graduated to be just like the master. If we will endure, if we will keep on the path, we will graduate to be like the master. He has promised us that. If we see him, we shall be Amen. That's the whole point of discipleship. By following the master, eventually we can become like him. Amen. A true disciple then learns. You don't just keep doing the same thing over and over. You learn, right? If you touch the stove once and you find it's hot, hopefully you don't have to keep touching it. When you see it glowing red and you keep touching and go, oh, that burns. Oh, it burnt again. Why does this thing keep burning me? <laughs> We, 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 we hope we learn. The reason why we go through some things is so that we learn. Because God is teaching us through circumstance. God is not going to get in your mind and make you do stuff. But he is going to give you circumstances that will teach us either to turn to the left or the right. We're going to be presented with choices all the way through our lives. And when we make the wrong choice, he's still there to help us get back on course. He wants us to learn. So a true disciple also learns. He doesn't just follow and never grow. You got to grow, right? You got to grow. Amen. You, he, he had grown by the time Elijah went. He was grown enough in faith that he was going to try everything that Elisha had done. And in the end, he did double the miracles. 
He had double the miracles of his master Elijah. Hebrews 5.8. Even with Jesus, it says that he learned in the flesh. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience. How? By the things which he suffered. That's what I'm talking about. We are, we are going to learn obedience through the things that we suffer. Once we've found out something is hot, hopefully we learn that when someone says don't touch that, we believe them. Now, it's better to learn through someone else's bad experience, you know. But sometimes some of us are very hard-headed. We don't believe it until we experience it ourselves. Now, after you've experienced it, hopefully you get the message. Sometimes God had to take a two-by-four to me before I got the message. And then finally say, Lord, I see what you're saying. <laughs> I won't do that again. Lord, have mercy, Lord. <laughs> have mercy. Sometimes we are hard-headed. And we're not following the master. And he's merciful. And he will let us get into some circumstances where only he can pull us out. I put up there, patience is not the ability to wait. But how you act while waiting. A lot of people can wait, but man, they're making a face. They're They're not waiting patiently. They're waiting. But their face has got that, what what is it called? Mean mug or whatever you call it. I don't know. They just got that face on them. They're not, that's not waiting patiently. Part of what following the master is teaching us is patience. Patience. When we wait patiently, the Bible speaks about that, okay? Then we will receive. So patience is not the ability to just wait, but it's how you wait. It's how you wait without getting upset, getting anxious, getting fearful. This is what a true disciple learns. They were always asking Jesus, are you going to do the kingdom now? Are you going to be king now? Are you you ready to take over the kingdom now? That's all they were asking him every day. Is it time? Are we there yet? (laughs) Just like children, they were always at, when are you going to to take away these Romans and kick them out and give us back the kingdom? And he finally told them, it's not for you to know the times nor the seasons that the father hath reserved into his own hand. But you will know the season, right? You'll know that it's coming soon. And then you start to get ready. Part of being a disciple is denying yourself, right? That's hard. Denying yourself. They had to give up some things to be his disciple. There was the case of the rich young ruler who thought he had it all together. Mr. Perfect. All my life I've done good. <laughs> all I've done good. I've, I've been pretty perfect. I have to say so. So I think I'm worthy to be your disciple. And the sad thing is Jesus looked at him and the Bible says Jesus loved him. Jesus could see that this man had a lot of potential. He he had all the makings of could be someone great. And yet in the end, we don't even know his name. Isn't that sad? He had everything. He was wealthy. Maybe he was good looking, he had everything, he had kept the law. And he came to Jesus and says, I want to be one of your disciples. But there was some part of him he still wasn't willing to give up. Is there some part of us that we're not willing to give up? Because Jesus is not a 90% God. He's not a 95% God. He don't want to share you. That's right. He says, I'm a jealous God. He's not willing to, it's either him, 
you know, it's either his way or the highway. <laughs> He's not willing to share you. You have to be, we want all this stuff from God, isn't it? We pray, Lord, give me this, give me that, bless me here, give me a car. Give me. And are we willing to give ourselves 100% to him? Two of the disciples came up to Jesus, well, their mother, and said, Grant that my sons get to sit on your left and right hand. You know, mothers always want the best for their children. And the other disciples, when they found out, they got upset. Like, who do they think they are? Why should they get to be the ones to sit on the left and right hand? And then Jesus looked at them and said, listen, you don't know what you're asking. Do you want to go through what I'm going through? Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Are you going to be baptized with the baptism? You see, we want all these blessings and power, but we don't want anything else. We don't want the suffering that brings us to that point. The Bible says if we suffer with him, then we shall reign. It doesn't go, we shall reign. It goes, if we suffer with him, then we shall reign. Hebrews 5.8 says, though he were a son, though he was the king of kings, though he, he was the son of God. Isn't that amazing? Yet learned he. Now, if the master had to go through this, the servants, the disciples are not greater than the master. What you should do when you're going through suffering is say, wait a minute. Okay, I'm going through this trial. This means Jesus is teaching me something. What you need to ask the question is, what am I learning from this? Imagine if you could turn the whatever you're going through around and, as, and, and look at it as a learning. What am I learning from this? What will I not do next time? Or what should I do next time? Or is God teaching you faith? Any trial you're going through, you should be asking what am I learning from this? Because yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Anyone going through some things right now? Am I the only one? Okay. So you need to write down tonight, this is what I'm learning. I'm learning to be patient. I'm learning to trust. I'm learning to pray. I'm learning to be faithful. I'm learning to be loving. I'm learning to be forgiving. I'm learning to be wiser. There's a lot of stuff we can learn, isn't there? There's a lot of stuff we can learn through what we've experienced, good or bad. Good or bad. Amen? Maybe, hopefully, what you're learning is some good things that when you praise God, it brings a smile to your face. Your spirit just elevates. Bible says, though, that if you're going to be his disciple, you're going to have to deny yourself some things. Right? Matthew 16, 24, then said Jesus to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny him. So what does that mean? It means put yourself last, your desires. You're going to have to be willing to follow what Jesus says. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know, I, I, I shouldn't say this again, but you know, I've told the story when my wife was in labor. Sorry to pick on you. She wanted to get up and walk away because, you know, that would stop the pain. Just get up and walk away. Leave the pain over here. <laughs> and many times that's how we feel like we could just get up and leave the world and get out of the situation. But unfortunately, life doesn't work that way. Sometimes the way out is the way through. God did not save the Hebrew boys from the fire. 
but he saved them in the fire. Right? Sometimes we are going to actually get thrown in the fire. Despite what we pray, we're going to end up in the fire. But here's the secret. If you have faith and trust, someone else will show up in the fire with you. Just look around. Just look around. Just look around. Someone else will show up in the fire with you. Because he's promised never to leave you. So that means he's with you even in trials, even in suffering, even in the fire. That was amazing. Nebuchadnezzar couldn't believe his eyes. Hey, didn't we throw three people in there? (laughs) How come I see four? And one of them looks like the son of God. But first we've got to, those three Hebrew boys denied themselves, denied. They could have walked away from that situation. It was easy, very easy. Nebuchadnezzar gave them another chance. All you have to do is when you hear the music, just bow down. It can be real quick. Nobody needs to see you. Just, Just do a little nod for me. Just do a little bow for me. It'll be all cool. And we can get past this. They said, I'm sorry, O king. Whether, whether we, uh, God delivers us or not, we're not going to be in your power. Isn't that, isn't that great faith? Isn't that great faith? Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, if you're going to call me, just be prepared to deny himself. Take up his cross, not somebody else's. Don't be looking at somebody else's problems and talking about them. Take up your own cross. My my dad used to tell this story, and I've told you before, this person was carrying this big, ugly wooden cross. It had splinters in it and everything. And he saw someone else carrying this beautiful gold cross with diamonds and all kinds of stuff in it. And he said to God, well, God, if I have to carry a cross, why can't it be a nice Beautiful gold cross. So God said, okay, let's swap. Put down his cross. Went over to pick. He couldn't even pick it up. <laughs> he forgot how heavy gold is. You want the beautiful gold cross, but you can't even pick it up. You can't carry the wooden one yet. You got to pick up your own cross. <laughs> Whoever doth not bear his cross and come after me. Again, here's another thing. You cannot be his disciple. Now, who was it who put up their hand? (laughs) I thought everybody said they wanted to be his disciple. Listen, on the cross, you're going to cry out. Even Jesus cried out. It's okay to cry out. It's okay. We're going to cry out. We're flesh. Even Jesus on the cross got to that point where he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There's times when we're carrying that cross, it's going to feel like God is a million miles away. But this is still part of discipleship, believe it or not. Jesus went through that because it's not going to last forever. There is coming a resurrection day. Amen. There is coming a resurrection day. He said, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. You have to endure the cross, not love the cross per se. I mean, no one loves suffering. No one likes to be going through stuff. No one likes to be in lack and in want. But it's not going to be forever. It's a season. Amen. Let's look a little bit more. If any man wants to follow me, he must say no to the things he wants. That's in modern English. Because I'd just like to be rich and on a beach somewhere. (laughs) With blue sky, 
right? And, and, and some nice punch in my hand, just sitting there. I don't want to deal with, with <laughs> stuff, <laughs> with midnight calls. No, that's not what my flesh wants. No, I can think, you all can think of better things to do, right, in your flesh. But then you would never be his disciple. That rich young ruler, when he was told what it was really going to cost him, Bible said he went away sorrowful. And even though it said Jesus loved him, that was not enough for him to become a disciple. Jesus' love is not enough for you to be a disciple unless you're willing to give back that love. Love has got to be a two-way thing. It can't be one way. It's not love. It's got to be reciprocated. Amen? So let's look at this. True discipleship. John 13, 34. Here's how you can tell you're, you're a disciple now. It's all about that love thing. A new commandment I give unto you. Because the old commandment in the Old Testament was, was listen, you do something to me, <laughs> I do something to you, and maybe a little worse. <laughs> right? You scratch my eye, I scratch your eye. But Jesus was saying, listen, you know what happens when that happens? You get two blind people. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. And they said, yeah, we can do that. They didn't understand yet where he was going. Then he said, you got to love your enemies. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, that's a little bit too far. You mean the person that tried to kill me? The person who's been trying to get me fired at work? The person who's been, been saying stuff about me? A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you. You also love one another. By this, this is how, this is the test now. If you're his disciple, if you love one another, now that's hard. I won't say that's easy, right? Because all of us can think of some people right now that we'd have to really pray about. <laughs> you all gone silent on me. You're all thinking about it. Well, that drives us to pray. First John 4.20, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he possibly love God who he hasn't seen? 1 John 4.21 And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Now, that doesn't mean that we be stupid, right? But it means we should really have a heart to care and to try. When someone asks for help, this particular person who called... I had done this before. That wasn't the first time. They had wanted something in the middle of uh, the evening and helped them. But I gave them the benefit. I said, come to church. There's many, many people that this church helps that have never come to church. And the reason why is this scripture, because we're not doing it for them just to walk in the door. We're doing it because we're his disciples. It's not to build the, the numbers. It's to be his disciple. That's why we, we show love, why we try and help people. Amen? And in this thing it says, And they will know you are my disciples by your rules. No. Theology? No. How right, self-righteous you are? How much power you have? No. How good you can speak, your rhetoric, your purity, uh, your clubs? No. It's by your love. It's by your love. That's true discipleship. We have to become, the end result of being a disciple, though, is our goal is to become like the master. Matthew 10, 23, and here's the story I told you at the beginning. But when they persecuted in this city, 
flee ye unto another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. Now in Acts 14.22, it says, Confirming the souls of disciples and exhorting them. This is Paul's um, uh, pilgrimage. Exhorting them to continue in the faith. Again, that we must through much tribulation enter in the kingdom of God. If you're not going through nothing, if you're just coasting through life and everything is perfect, you don't have a care in the world, I would want to question stuff. (laughs) You know, the Bible says you have to examine where you stand because the Bible tells us that we are going to experience some tribulation in that every time we go to enter into the kingdom, someone, the devil has got a plan to knock us down, to destroy our faith, take away our peace, stifle our joy. Now, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail. We've got a few more minutes. How did Jesus actually, though, practically, how did he make disciples? Well, first of all, he made friends. And they criticized him for the friends he made. He first made sinners into friends. Matthew 5, 47. And if he salute your brethren only, that means if you only greet the church people, what do we more than others? Don't even the publicans so? He's saying, if you're only friendly to your church folk, you're not doing anything much. You're not doing it. So Jesus set the example. Mark 2.15, and he came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his, ho- in his house, many publicans, these were the, 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 the worst of the worst as far as the Jews are concerned, and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. And there were many, and they followed him. You know what was happening? They were changing from just friends to being disciples because they saw his love that he cared about them that he wasn't just a uh, one of these people who are faking it but that he he cared about them when people see how much you care that's when they will start to believe in what you're teaching amen matthew eleven nineteen. in fact he did it so much that the criticism was that he was a friend of publicans and sinners your master hangs around with the worst of the worst that was the, he did it so much. Now that doesn't mean you approve of what people do or you even partake of what they do. But to reach them, he had to at least acknowledge them and say, hey, how's your day? What's happening in your life? Did you know that, that God wants you? Did you know that there's a, a future that can change? If we, if we stay in this church only, then we'll, we'll be happy to ourselves, but we will not be making disciples. For there were many and they followed him. They followed him. Discipleship, and this is the thing that I hate, but it's part of what I have to do. It takes your time. (laughs) It takes your time. Because you're going to have to spend time. Amen. In Acts chapter 1, 1, Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and also the book of Acts, says the former treatise, he's talking about his former book, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Most of what Jesus was doing was teaching so his disciples could see him in action until the day in which he was taken up and that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. It took Jesus three years to put them through 
Jesus University. J.U. But by that time, and when the Holy Spirit came, which was graduation day, they were now empowered that they could go out boldly and speak. Amen? For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That's what we're supposed to be, a light to the Gentiles. A light. We should be a light wherever we are. We should be the happiest people in the office. People should say, what are you drinking? What are you smoking? I want to have some of what you got. Instead of us being the, the, the most grumpy and sour and, you know. My dad used to say, people say, well, good morning. The answer is, what's good about it? <laughs> we should be some of the most joy because we have the promise of salvation. That we know where we're going. That we are blessed and highly favored. We've won the spiritual lottery. We've got the Mega Millions Holy Ghost. Amen. We've got the, the great Powerball, the real one. You know, it's like 200 million to one if you to win that. And we've got the real one, the real Powerball. Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost, right? Sister Nancy, you saw that ball, didn't you? Amen. Amen. This is the result of discipleship, is that we become like the master. That we, we, we change, right? You know, like we're not, like really... I'm an introvert. I don't like people. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I, I'll be quite happy on my own in a cave. Really, that's true. And so what you see here is God changing me. Now, I don't, do, I don't say that to boast. He does that to each of us. When we come to him, let me prove that to you. Remember who these people were. They were unlearned fishermen. They were the kind of sailors that cussed up a storm. They had every swear word in the book. And yet after Jesus came, after they graduated from being a disciple to being into leadership, Acts 4.13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned, they, were, they hadn't gone to any of the known universities, and ignorant men, they marveled. They were astonished. Who are these people? And then they understood, oh, they've been with Jesus. They graduated from the highest college you can ever graduate from. If you could stand with me. Tonight it's been about discipleship. Discipleship. His promise, though, that he will never really leave us. After he arose... His disciples weren't at first quite sure what to do because the Holy Ghost had not been given. And when he first saw them, he told them, listen, therefore, let's say it, therefore, therefore. go and make disciples. That's Jesus' own command to us that we're to go and make disciples. How are we going to do it? By showing love. How are we going to do it? By picking up our own cross. How are we going to do it? By denying ourselves. How are we going to do it? By trusting him. That's all the things I covered tonight, right? Some of the things I covered about being a... This is how we're going to do it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Those are very important, right? It didn't say in the name Father. It's saying in the name of the Father and of the Holy Spirit, 
and of the Son, teaching them to obey everything, not some of the things. Following Jesus is not a buffet. You know, you don't get to pick and choose, well, I like this part of it, and I like this part, but I'm going to leave that part. No, you, you don't get that choice following Jesus. You have to take all of him. On the night of the Passover, they were to eat all of the food. They were to not leave any of it unconsumed. If they couldn't finish it, it had to be burned. But it couldn't just be thrown away. He says, teaching them to obey or observe everything I have commanded you. And surely, let's say surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now the question is, do we believe that? Even in your darkest moment, even when you're crying alone, wherever you are praying to God and you feel so alone, I want to tell you, you are not alone. All you're doing, all you're doing is what Jesus did on the cross. All it means is you're on the cross. All it means you have a few more hours and then you'll be able to say it is finished. Amen. You'll be able to come off that cross eventually. All it means is you're crying out just like Jesus did. And he has promised that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. If we could bow our hearts tonight. Father, we thank you for your word, your lesson to us tonight to become disciples. Lord, we ask you, O oh God, to bury this deep in our soul, Lord God, that we would really be your disciple, that we would learn to love, that we would learn to deny ourselves, that we'd learn to follow, O oh Lord, all that you have taught us. We thank you tonight for your goodness and your grace, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit surround us as we go out tomorrow into our world, Lord God, and we face our own crosses. Help us to endure like good soldiers. Lord, we ask right now, Lord God, for your blessing and your declaration over us. In the name of Jesus, we thank you right now. In Jesus' name, let everyone say amen.